Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. So welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space in West Limerick 102. My name is John Keeley. Joined again by Shane. Uh, Shane's still with me on the other end of the telephone. And we're also joined this morning by a good friend of the programme. And thank you indeed for taking some time to join us again. Uh, Father Eamon Conway. Uh, usually we speak with Father Eamon about uh, the theology department and religious studies in, in Mary Immaculate College in Limerick. But I didn't realise that Father spent so much time in lockdown. Welcome to the programme, Father. Thank you very much indeed. Good morning, everybody. Thanks indeed, for Father, for joining us. Lockdog, I mean, there's people speaking about holidays these days and pilgrimages and so on and so forth. And as usual, we like to touch as often as we can on pilgrimage sites. And it's been maybe a year or two since we touched on Lockdog. Um, would, would, there's some of our listeners out there, Father, who mightn't have a clue about Lockdog and so on and so forth. You might be able to brief us a little bit about what it's about and also maybe share with us a little bit on this new book that you, that you have coming out or that, I, I, that actually launched yesterday. I'd be absolutely delighted. Thank you very much Thanks, for the program. So, uh, yeah, well, I've been associated with Lockdurg since I was a student for the priesthood. And uh, in the 1980s, I was offered a job there in the summer uh, leading the singing in the congregation. And that time, of course, we used to have massive numbers doing the pilgrimage. Uh, literally at a weekend, like this weekend on Lockdurg, uh, there would be standing room only in the basilica. It, it added a whole new layer in a sense, to the to what was already a quite a penitential exorcism anyway. Mm-hmm. But it is amazing that despite all the, I suppose, the secularization we've experienced in Ireland, that Lochder continues uh, to be extremely popular today. And this weekend, uh, we have several hundred pilgrims on the island. And that will continue right through now from the 1st of June. In fact, it started last Wednesday through to the 15th of August. So what are we talking about? We're talking about what is now a three-day pilgrimage, uh, it's a pilgrimage day. You were coming on Lockdurg uh, last night or yesterday. Uh, you would be fasting from last night, and you would uh, you would work your way uh, to the island, make your way there, try to get on the island before midday, if possible. They set people on until three or four in the afternoon, but you get more out of it the earlier you get there. And then you take off your shoes. Uh, you do the rest of the pilgrimage in barefoot. You're fasting. Uh, you're fasting from uh, the midnight before, so you don't have any breakfast, uh, which is kind of unusual when we're going on a journey. But already the sort of the sense of detachment and letting go and entering into a special place has begun, and indeed the penance as well. And then you're going to be up all that night as well. You're going to be on the island all the following day. Uh, that night you can go to bed. You get up early, there's uh, mass and uh, more prayers, and then you leave the island, and you're still fasting until midnight. So the pilgrimage consists of 72 hours of fast and then a series of passion of prayers. And the great thing about this is it goes right back to the 5th century. We know that Loch Derg, this island in County Donegal, uh, in, uh, on a lake in, in County Donegal, has been a place of Christian presence almost back as far as St. Patrick himself. So that's quite an extraordinary thing to think about. And that when you go there and you take off your shoes and you walk and your bare feet around this island, that you're in a historical continuity with generations of Christians uh, going back over so many centuries. And so, Father, uh, people would think, well, maybe this sort of a pilgrimage now is only really for those people um, maybe over 50, over 60 years of age. But uh, the few times that I've done the three-day pilgrimage there, I wasn't the youngest. There's fairly young people also attend that. It, it, it is. And I think one of the reasons it's appealing to young people, young people like a challenge. And we live in a culture where... Um, 
you know, sort of doing what's physically challenging is appealing. Uh, you know, you get people doing all kinds of extreme sports, mm. uh, very often unhealthily so, that where they put their lives at risk. But this is a kind of a spiritual extreme sport. Uh, yeah. You know, it's quite a challenge. Um, I, I call it about building up spiritual muscle. You know, some friends of mine would say to me about Lockdown, oh, my daily life is in Lockdown, or I've done my Lockdown this year, mm. I have so many troubles or problems. And actually, that's not what it's about. We go to Lockdown, and it's almost like going to a kind of a spiritual boot camp, which trains us to deal with the so-called lockdowns in our daily lives. So I think, uh, certainly when I get out of the pilgrimage, I come away with a deeper sense of trust in God's mercy that gets me through the difficult times, a greater sense of resilience uh, to deal with difficulty, physical difficulty, uh, physical discomfort. Uh, in some respects, I suppose, lockdown is even more of a challenge now than it was a few hundred years ago, when people's lives weren't all that comfortable anyway. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, you, you know, you weren't leaving behind the great luxury to come and do lockdown. Um, but now you are, and so, yeah, it can be a challenge. But it is attractive, and it is amazing. I know this year in particular being the Year of Mercy, there are many youth groups uh, and dioceses have organized pilgrimages of young people. Um, it is uh, maybe the fewer than we had 15, 20 years ago, but the numbers then were too many anyway, to be honest. Uh, mm. It's just nice now, and it is, it, is, it is a great experience. Whether you do it on your own, which you can, or whether you do it with other people, uh, it, it is it is a great experience. You'd always meet people anyway. You know, it's a great leveler. Take off your shoes. Mm. Yeah. Know, uh, engage in these exercises. But the, the main physical part of it is walking around these what are called penitential beds. Uh, they are basically the ruins of monastic cells, probably going back to the 8th or 9th century, uh, where Hermes, the main monastic settlement was in another island nearby uh, called Saints Island. Mm -hmm. And People could come and obviously visit that monastery, but then those who really wanted to do the, the the difficult pilgrimage, where they would go and do battle with their demons in a kind of a cave-like structure, they'd be rowed over by the monks to this island. And we're not quite sure whether the monks who lived on this island were hermits or anchorites, uh, who chose a much more extreme form of Christianity, as many uh, people did in those centuries, uh, or whether they were there to care for the pilgrims. Or it could have been a bit of both, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, as time moved on, uh, you know, over the centuries. But, you know, it's hard for us to think in centuries, but to think that people have been going there to seek healing, to seek refuge. A very interesting thing is that we call it Lockdown now. The proper term is St. Patrick's Purgatory Lockdown because the idea was that uh, you did your purgatory in a sense in this life, you did your penance in this life, and the cave was kind of a like entering into purgatory, the, the kind of cave-like structure which people used to spend several hours in in the earlier uh, versions of the pilgrimage. Um, but another name for it was St. Patrick's Sanctuary, which I like very much, the idea that there was a place you um, where you felt safe, where you felt protected, uh, where you've got this kind of sacred space between you and God. And you mentioned uh, a few times there, Father, about the spirituality of this sacred island, as you call it, in Loch Derg, and you've just read a book, the Island of Quiet Miracles. Could you share something? I mean, that, that was launched yesterday, I believe. Uh, yes, uh, very grateful to Bishop Lee McDade, uh, who launched the book for us, and uh, indeed Archbishop Evan Martin has written the uh, preface to the book. I'm deeply uh, grateful to him for that. Uh, yeah, The Island of Quiet Miracles, it's a phrase I used in the book. In fact, it's the publishers who picked that as the title. 
why do I use the phrase? I suppose we associate other places of pilgrimage like um, Lourdes and so on with miracles uh, and wonderful, you know, that people can experience very profound physical healing where you know, something quite dramatic occurs where they've had an illness that has been reversed or whatever. The kind of miracles in Loch Derg are quieter, uh, but every bit as real, where some healing takes place for people. I've really seen that, I've experienced it, pilgrims have talked to me about it, I've experienced it myself. Very often it's in the confessional. The confession is at the heart, really, of the pilgrimage. Uh, in a way, the vigil the night before is a time of preparation mm. for this wonderful face-to-face encounter, really, to the ministry of the priest with Christ's forgiveness, Christ's mercy, Christ's healing. And I've seen people walk away from the confession in tears, but they're always tears of joy because some burden that they've been carrying that seemed either unforgivable or unforgettable or something they couldn't otherwise leave behind. They tried many different ways and they suddenly experienced, I can leave this here behind me on this island. And I often say to pilgrims, Leave it here. The island is well capable of absorbing it. You don't need to be carrying this anymore. God doesn't want it. You don't want it. Nobody benefits from it. Just leave it here. And it's just amazing how many pilgrims walk away healed. A bit like the woman in the gospel story, you know, the woman bent double, Mm. who touched the hem of Jesus' garment and for, for the first time in her life was able to stand up straight. And I've seen pilgrims stand up straight and tall. And if you meet pilgrims as they leave uh, the island on the boat on the third day. Yeah. I have never met somebody saying, oh, that was a waste of time, or I didn't like this, or I didn't like no. that. There is a real sense of joy. Um, I, I, not, it's not about having survived, you know. It, this isn't sort of Winterlock Derg survived, you know, got the T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a much mm. deeper sense of internal healing, really. That is incalculable, uh, you know, but but I, that's why I think we, we call the book The Island of Quiet Miracles. And of course, this being the year of mercy too, mm-hmm. would that be a special a special time to maybe the spending lockdown this year? Yes. In addition to the three-day pilgrimage, there are one-day retreats. Mm. Uh, so there are people who physically can't undertake something as arduous as the three-day. But Loch Derg is still open to them. And during the month of May, all this month of May, there have been various retreats on the island, and also in August and September they'll resume the, after the three-day pilgrimage closes on the 15th of August. But uh, on the opening weekend of the one days, uh, the papal nuncio, Archbishop Brown, opened the, the door of mercy on the island. <coughs> Excuse me. And I think it's a very special door of mercy because... Uh, as indeed in his uh, document to open the year of mercy, Pope Francis told us how important pilgrimage is in terms of journeying into uh, God's mercy. God's mercy is there for us all the time. It's about where are we and are we opening ourselves to receiving it. And I think that's the big thing about Loch Derg. Uh, one of the things I say in, in my talk at the vigil on the island is that Loch Derg is not about changing God's attitude to us. It's about changing our attitude to God. Mm-hmm. It's about It's about changing us it's about opening us up to the mercy of God that's always there for us. So if we come to Loch Derg and say, I'm going to offer a lot of prayers and I'm going to do a lot of penance and hopefully God will change his attitude to me. Hmm. I say to people, I hope the last boat hasn't left. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, get on it and get over there because you're wasting your time. The pilgrimage is not about changing God. It's about changing us. 
Mm. Shame, would you like to, to share something there? Yeah, no, I was just I was just thinking back. Actually, I, I've I've actually been to been to Loch Derg, um twice myself, and I, I keep I keep promising myself I'll go back the third time. Mm. I just haven't quite got around to doing it just yet. And of course, there is a, there's yeah, as 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 Father Raymond said, it's very much part of um, Irish history, I suppose, in many respects. In, in terms of you know, when you look at some of the maps of uh, medieval Europe, um, Loch Derg is actually on the maps. It was it was up there with Santiago de Compostela and Rome as a place for, for pilgrims to travel to. And I suppose one of the wonderful things about it is, as you said, it's, it, is a, it, is a, it is a place for quiet miracles. You know, as you're standing by the water and your stomach is rumbling and the midges are eating your hair out, um, <laughs> it can also be a place of great beauty and peace. I suppose, Father, I suppose one of the things I suppose is, you know, is there still a, you know, a place for it in the modern world, I suppose, would be kind of one of the questions. You know, we've spoken about the need for healing and time out, but I suppose some people would turn around and say, well, it's very anachronistic, you know, in some respects. You know, it's very... Is there, is there still a place for Loch Derg in, you know, modern Ireland? Well, obviously, I believe there is, and I think many people look in the wrong places for the kind of peace that they're seeking. And when they stumble upon Loch Derg, they find that, and of course maybe it's not for everybody, but for many, many people, it has that combination of the sense of of physical effort that leads to a level of quietness in oneself mm. uh, where, where God can speak. Uh, pilgrimages, of course, continue to, to be very popular. And, and the reason I think, in part at least, is that for many people who distance themselves from other aspects of institutional religion, this provides a way of connecting with it for a while at least, perhaps on their own terms. You know, a pilgrimage is a temporary event. Mm. You go for a weekend or you go on the Camino for a few weeks or you go to Lourdes or uh, Medjugorje or whatever. And for a while at least, you're part of a wider community. You're part of something bigger than yourself. But you're, when you come back, you're going to move on. Uh, you're not necessarily going to stay there. So it's a kind of a safe way of engaging uh, beyond the individualism that has become characteristic of so much of our lives. Mm. I think, again, for many young people, uh, the privileging of what sociologists call the privileging of self-realization, where we want to do something where we feel good about ourselves, that we achieved something. Uh, it's not necessarily a Christian way of looking at things, but that's still there for many people. And again, Loch Derg gives a great sense of achieving something. I think people can go to Loch Derg for, for all kinds of reasons. But I think I think pilgrimage and the sense of physically strenuous activity combined uh, in contemporary culture to make it uh, appealing and attractive. Now, of course, what I think is whatever brings you to Loch Derg is great, but it's not necessarily what's going to happen for you there. Because exactly. once you're open to the mystery of God's presence and God's mercy, Mm-hmm. and you're open to a relationship, like all relationships, uh, things happen in relationships that we can never predict. And I think what people come away with is a sense of God's unconditional love. That's that's my own sense of it. So I very much think it has a place uh, in modern culture. Uh, but maybe what it bring people is that sense of you're looking for a kind of a spiritual high or a spiritually intense experience. Um, and maybe you're seeing it as something temporary for here and now, and now they can move away from it. But I think what happens when you get there can be very different and, and can also be very wonderful. Uh, Father, just one more question there, just before we leave. Uh, Loch Derg, it's open to all faiths, to those maybe who have no faith, who have little faith? 
It, it is. Nobody's going to ask you when you arrive, are you practicing Catholic? Are you a Roman Catholic? Are you Christian? Nobody's going to ask. Obviously, it comes out of it, and the prayers are, you know, our fathers, Hail Mary's creeds, the very traditional Catholic prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a prayer of repetition, a prayer of mantra, really. Um, so maybe those who are not part of the Catholic faith culture will find it um, more difficult to get into, but they ha- people have come from various traditions, and I've certainly met Buddhists on the island. I've met other Christians on the island. Um, they, you know, they're, they're always welcome. There's certainly no questions asked. And I do believe they, many of them get great healing out of it and, and find it a, a very, very intense uh, and powerful experience. For, for me, as with all pilgrimages, and the question I often put to pilgrims, and the last chapter of my book is actually about this, is, okay, I've had this experience of the church, I've had this experience of pilgrimage, I've had this experience of God's mercy. Now I come away from that. How in my daily life am I going to be different? Am I simply going to go back? Like a lot of pilgrims, for example, would say to me, you know, oh, Father, I haven't been to confession for over a year. Actually, the last time I was at Loch Derg, or in fact, I don't really go to Mass much. Every year when I come to Loch Derg, of course, I love Mass. Mm-hmm. And they're otherwise at a distance from a faith community. And that was where I think people need to face up to the challenge of saying, okay, is this just going to be my annual fix or is it actually something that's going to transform my sense of faith on a daily and a weekly basis? And obviously I'd be trying to encourage people to allow Loch Derg to you know, bring about a change in how important, in a sense, faith community is in our daily lives. Father, thank you so much for that. And just one last little question. Um, the, the, your book, uh, The Island of Quiet Miracles, um, can this be bought locally as well in Limerick or Veritas I, I shops? Hope, I hope it'll be in Veritas and all good bookshops, as they say. It's again produced with the Irish Catholic, and uh, they certainly will do direct sales as well. I think they'll have pre orders in at the moment. Uh, so it's available to them. It'll be available on the island in the Lockyard bookshop as well. And just to say that the last time we spoke, we spoke about the Pope's uh, The Joy of Love. The Joy of Love, yes. And we've just finished a study and companion guide to that as well with discussion questions for groups. And that should be out in the next fortnight or so as well. So just if I can plug that for the message. You've been very busy. Father, thank you so much for joining us this morning. You're a very busy man. Thank you so much. After speaking with... People have been asking me, when will I be working on Loch Derg this summer? And I said, I was working on Loch Derg all through January, February and March. So I've done my... (laughs) You've done yours. (laughs) Father, thank you so much for taking some time. I know you are very, very busy this morning. After speaking with Sharon there and Loch Derg, I asked her what what, what music she would suggest that maybe we play just to finish off this segment. And she suggested Come As You Are by Paul Gore. So, Father, thank you again. And let's listen to this piece of music. God bless you. Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye now. Bye. As you are, feel quite alone, close to my heart, loved and forgiven. Come as you are, why stand alone?
Sacred Space on West Limerick 102.